Hey everyone, Ed Helms here. You might know me as Andy from The Office or Stu from The Hangover, or you might know me as the co-founder of BGS. I know, I'm just as surprised as you. They let me co-found something. But here's the thing, we're doing it again. Yeah, this time we're leaping into our other deep love, the vast and vibrant world of country music with something we're calling Good Country. Now this isn't just another newsletter. Think of Good Country as a place. A place where you can explore, learn, and dig into all of what makes country good. Seriously, country music has so much going on these days, and it's coming from so many different deep and soulful places, and we're here to cover all of it. Just as we've done for Bluegrass and Roots Music at BGS for over a decade. So sign up now at goodcountrybgs.substack.com and let us bring you the many sides of country music straight to your inbox. Good country. It's a nice place to be. Hey, it's Cindy Howes from the podcast Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians. Check out our very special 250th episode featuring an interview and performance with Basic Folk co-host Lizzie No. I feel like most women I know have an experience where They've been working and working and working to perform and to execute and to please everyone else. And then things sort of fall apart a little bit in some way or another. And partying can actually be a really important step towards getting free because it shows you where you need to fall apart and being on the dance floor, like in community with mm. other women and mm -hmm. in community with queer people. Mm -hmm. Like for me, those experiences have been so important. This time, Lizzie is on the other side of the mic talking about and performing songs from their brand new album, Half Seas. Basic Folk's 250th episode with Lizzie No is streaming now on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. Join us there or wherever you get podcasts. Hi, and welcome to Basic Folk, where we have honest conversations with folk musicians on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. I'm your host, Cindy House, and I'm here with my co-host, Lizzie No. Hey. hey! How's it going? It's going great. At the time that people are going to be listening to this, I have recently announced, drumroll please, my new album. What? Havesies. Coming out January 19th on Ugh. my label, Miss Freedom Land, in partnership with 30 Tigers. That's amazing. Lizzie. I did it. Ugh. This is awesome news. Eek. What an exciting time to be alive. I know. I have been waiting for this moment for a long time that I could talk about this on the pod. Are there any songs that are out as of yet? Yes. One song is out. It's called Lagunita. It's Oof. a rock Americana roots banger. I will tell you that I have heard this song and a 13 out of 10. <sighs> Coming from a true radio professional and tastemaker like you, Cindy... It means a lot. No, but seriously, I feel like I've been like since I've known you, Cindy, I have been working on this mm -hmm. album and mm -hmm. it's such a relief to like finally be able to like tell people about it and have them hear some of the songs. And it's just like you had you're you've been holding on to like a secret and then you get to share mm. it. This is great. Thank you, Cindy. I am so excited. It's January 19th. Yes, January 19th. It comes out and it's called Havesies. What a great name. Thank you. It's like whimsical, but it's also serious, just like me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Mark your calendars, January 19th, for Lizzie's new album. And we, of course, will be covering it here on Basic Folk. Before we get into our guest today, we have the lovely Trey Burt on. I want to talk about our mailing list. If you're not on it, you can sign up. You can go to our website, basicfolk.com. There is a red sign up for the newsletter button. It's also linked in the show notes. Uh, you can also follow us on social media, Facebook or Instagram at basicfolkpod. We are, is it Scorpio season? No, it's Libra season right now. Okay. We are in Libra season. 
which is also overlapping with beanie season. Yes. You can get a handmade beanie from our website in the store, basicfolk.com. And if you give $5 a month, that supports the podcast. We are a listener-funded operation here. It helps keep the train on the tracks. Uh, And you can get a very cute beanie. The beanies are really good, and the yarn is high quality. It's a nice nice beanie. Mm. It is a nice beanie. That's a nice beanie. And did you say beanie or bellini? I think I accidentally said bellini. Well, I will tell you the person who makes these beanies (laughs) does not enjoy a bellini. That's my mom. (laughs) We went to Provincetown one time on vacation. It was so fun. And we went out to breakfast and I got a bellini. What is, I'm sorry, what's a bellini? It's like a mimosa style drink of like different juices. I think it's like orange juice and peach juice. Okay. I knew it was a cocktail of some kind. All the all the bartenders listening right now are like, it's not that. <laughs> I'm not a bartender. We're not scared of you. We're not scared of bartenders. <laughs> Come at us. <laughs> I said to my mom, this is such a beautiful drink. My mom doesn't like alcohol. Okay. But she held it in her hand and I took her picture and then she tried it and she was like, ew. Ew. <laughs> Handed it back to me. <laughs> And that's my story about my mom and Bellinis. Thanks for listening. Hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Wait, we have more stuff to do. We have things to do. Okay. All right. Trey Burt, let's do it. Okay. Yes. This week we have a basic folk hero returning to the pod. Yes. Trey Burt is back today talking with us track by track about his new album, Traffic Fiction. I have been listening to Trey Burt for many years. Well, as long as he's been releasing music. He's a friend of mine, and I have to say, this album is my favorite Trey Burt album yet, and here's why. Um, It combines what's really special about his writing and the way he performs his songs as a vocalist with like a new awareness of his roots in soul and Motown. So it's a super fun, really like personal, deep album that kind of tricks you into going deep on your emotions through like extremely groovy songs. Um, Mm. We talked through some of the super fun arrangements. Like this is a more keys heavy album than Trey has done in the past. And we got into that. We talked about some of the um, field recordings that Trey made of his grandfather before he died that ended up getting included in the album. And Those recordings are kind of the heart of what this record is about. It's about Trey, like having that relationship with his grandfather that was filtered through the lens of soul music. Um, And so he's telling these really personal stories about love and loss and remembering someone that was so important to him, but doing it in in the most joyful way imaginable, which to me is what it is to be a great black artist. We're always taking something sad and making it into something you can dance to. And that's a promise. That's a promise. That's what we do. That's what we're all about. Um, we talked about his touring band. He's uh, Trey has been uh, has gained like a, a ton of fans for his sort of solo singer songwriter bard vibe. But he's taken a band on the road for this record, and he wants people to dance to the album. We actually had a ton of laughs. I love episodes where I can talk to someone that is um, a longtime friend because then I can tease them about personal shit and they can tease me (laughs) right back we talked about our celebrity birthday twins life on the road it's it's a really cool interview and trey is an important artist i'm i'm super grateful that he came on the show to talk about this album Mm. me too the new album traffic fiction is out now it's been out for uh, about a week and we're gonna take a listen to clips from the record throughout the interview so sit back relax Laugh along with us here. We'll get to Trey Burt on Basic Folk. Trey Burt, welcome back to Basic Folk. Thank you. Um, I want our listeners to know that Trey is connecting from an exercise ball. Uh, Do you care care to comment? What Uh, is the role of balance in your life as an artist? (laughs) It's crucial. Um, It's uh, 
more fundamental than I've ever realized. I, we could get, get into that a little bit more later, but yeah, I, we can. That's that's a good that's a good question. We are going to go track by track through the new album, but I wanted to catch our listeners up on like, you know, the past couple years of your life. You've been touring heavily, um, promoting you, yeah, you, and mm. playing all over the world. But you've also kind of dug in some roots in Nashville, yes? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm firmly planted in Nashville now. Do you think of yourself at this point as a Nashville artist? Like, what does that, what would that phrase mean to you, being a Nashville artist? It's a good question. Um, I don't know, two things at once, because on one side, I feel, you know, when I first got here, um, I was kind of like the, the newcomer. Um, mm-hmm. And... Um, not that I didn't feel like I belonged. It's just that there's such a deep history of music here, of songwriter music, um, that I was just kind of like sitting in the back wings and observing and learning yeah. for, for a long time. Um, but now um, I feel very much a part of the music scene here. And um, it's, a, you know, it's cool to be a part of the music community to, that kind of shapes what the Nashville music scene is. So. Mm-hmm. What have your peers and friends in Nashville taught you about, like, the work ethic of being an artist? What would you say, like, defines, like, the Nashville artist? Um, Songwriter-wise? Yeah. You know, not that I have, I really struggle with this ever, but um, Mm -hmm. first things first is lose the ego. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, um, the, the sense of community here among songwriters is something, like, I've never seen before. Um, and in order for that to, to function, I mean, you just got to, you know, lose the ego and uh, be there for one another. So um, what defines the Nashville uh, music scene is uh, largely the community. That's beautiful. And it's beautiful to hear with photos of John Prine behind you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's That's a couple nice. cool ones. Yeah. Okay. I want to talk about traffic fiction. It is so good. It's like, I think it's your finest work yet. Oh, thank you. track traffic fiction is like the the album is a kind of piano and keys heavy album and that sound is crafted by the phenomenal peter keys Mm -hmm. can you talk about how you became familiar with peter's work and what his rock and funk bona fides did for the spirit of traffic fiction i mean to be honest i met peter in the studio that was uh he he was uh uh my co-producer Drea's pick, and he he he, uh, he knew him from. I love Andrea. Yeah, yeah, you know Andrea, um, but he he knew him from um, you know working with him a bunch, and that was my first time um, getting to work with him. But uh, he's really cool. He's a really you know uh, intuitive player. And, um, so yeah, there's uh, Peter played on one half, and then Joe played on the other. Joe Shornikov. And I feel like their sounds are are pretty different. But that's what makes the, um, you know, the record pretty sound as dynamic as it does. A mesh. A mesh. A mesh. Bringing me down. Forget to turn the light on, baby. Forget to turn the light on, baby. Forget to turn the light on, baby. Forget to turn the light on. Kids in the Yard is like a come out swinging track. Mm-hmm. And that line, I do what I want, reminds me of Steve Biko. Are you, do you read Steve Biko, the South African writer? He has this collection called I Write What I Like, which is kind of about how black people can get free by doing, you know, what is most urgent on our own minds instead of listening to someone else. Yeah. Um, and I feel like there is a little bit of that Biko spirit on this record and Absolutely. in the way that you're presenting it. So what's your relationship with freedom right now in this moment? It's imperative, uh, creatively speaking as well. Like, um, you know, being in Nashville, 
with such a deep history and country and folk and Western music, um, you know, it's easy to feel for a person like me that uh, you kind of, you have to do that to fit in or whatever. Um, but no, nah, I, I just had to be honest with myself um, uh, from the jump that uh, I, I got other sounds too. And yeah, um, I'd be lying to myself if I didn't write those songs that are in my head that aren't country western songs you know mm -hmm. so uh kids in the yard yeah i do what i want um that is kind of like a proclamation of freedom to myself forgot to turn the light on baby standing on the telephone wire you took a piece of me there was a lot to blame Screaming at the top of my lungs He took a piece of me It's such a crying shame Let's talk about Piece of Me Because this is, to me, a grown-up, complex relationship song I, I think a lot of us can relate to that feeling of having like pieces of us taken away mm -hmm. And like removed in relationships do you feel like singing about your life helps you get those pieces back? Or are there times when sharing of yourself feels like a continuing loss? Like I know you've said in your mm. previous Basic Folk interview actually that sometimes you have to judge like who you can be your full self with. So how are you seeing that relationship now between like guarding yourself and giving of yourself? Mm -hmm. Sonically and also lyrically, I feel like personally, this is what it feels like to me, um, with my previous records, that was more kind of, I had an, a, like an arm, a guard in front of me from the rest of the world. And, um, I was just, I guess, going to the inside world where I write those songs and taking that and just putting it on the outside. But there was still that wall. It's just putting it on the other side. This record, I'm kind of busting the wall open and, um, showing people just, you know, who, who I am. That's what I feel like anyway. So, um, yeah. Was that the question? That was the question. Tight. Is it scary to do that? Asking for a friend? <laughs> uh, I guess, yeah, but it's a choice you make, like, when you're writing the song and, and you, yeah. you, you have the line in front of you. And there's always that line that uh, you want to say, but you're like, no, I can't say that. That's a little too, that's a little too vulnerable. Um, but this record was a lot of, ah, oh, fuck it. No, that's what I'm thinking. I'm yeah, write saying that down. It. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. So it's, it comes down to that choice when you're writing the song to just um, go with that, that, that one that's too scary, if that feels too scary. Screaming at the top of my like the song when my heart is almost too groovy for a folk <laughs> audience speaking of like you know not that your, your audience is entirely folk but like we met each other like you know touring in that folk and americana scene yeah um and i just as i was listening to that i was like this is gonna ruffle some feathers <laughs> so like what has been the best part of this like rock and soul transition in your career and what uh -huh. is the most challenging part of sharing that side of you with your audience oh nothing i feel like i got something off my conscience like a guilty a cleanse my conscience by by writing like yeah you know there was that sort of deliberation where i was like man uh is it okay that i'm writing a soul song but that's <laughs> such a deep you know part of my my memory and my history and my mm -hmm. my id and ego um, that it feels Can like you I'm, talk about that your history with soul music like what are the early memories of it? Yeah, How did that like form who you are as a as a listener of music uh -huh. as well as an artist? Yeah, well my pops um, who, uh, Who's all up and down the record? He's in those little mm -hmm. those little um, rap bits um, but uh, he Was the the person that kind of give me an appreciation for soul music and Motown um, You know, there's that temptations movie that came out in the in the in the mid '90s. That you know we love. We watched that movie uh, a lot together. But 
Um, I feel like that that movie really built the black household. Oh hell yeah! yeah. In America, uh-huh. <laughs> we're yeah. in the house that that Temptations movie built. Yeah, and uh, you know we we that's all we listen to is the Temptations too. So uh, listening to the music and then watching that movie was it built a powerful you know it forged a powerful bond um, in me at a young age. Um, but no soul music, uh, large part of my childhood. I'm glad that it's it's uh, unveiling itself now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to get into Nashville through the Trojan horse of mm. singer-songwriter stuff, and then you can really share That's the, a good the way flower to put it. of soul. Exactly, yeah. It definitely felt like, um, you know, folk and, and country and um, blues music is, uh, you know, my first love, I guess, on the guitar. Mm-hmm. But I definitely felt like I had to prove myself on just the guitar um, before I could get to this sound. Because I always wanted to do this sound, but I feel like, you know, it'd be too unfocused if, you know, I was just kind of all over the place right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Um, for people, and also just mainly for me, like, I needed something to focus on before I could kind of, like, move on sonically. But um, it, it, you said it right, it's like a Trojan horse. La, 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 la. Every time I see somebody, I think it's, you know, I have to look and see if it's you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you never know when I'm going to pop by. Okay, I want to talk about the recordings that you made of your grandfather, and, like, there are a couple included on the album. Mm -hmm. How was it for you going... I mean, you record all these conversations, but then you have to go through the archive and narrow down like what's something that I want to share with the world yeah what was that process like for you going through those old recordings um I that's something I did frequently for like years was every time I'd go visit my pops I'd just you know have a tape recorder and I'd just hit record um Mm -hmm. and um like for Under the Devil's Knee when that song came Mm -hmm. out there's a b-side um that we might release sometime in the future Um, That's just a recording of me and my family talking about what that song means to us as black, as a black family. And um, Mm -hmm. historic, you know, what what goes into my pops is his history. You'll you'll hear that uh, at some point. But these recordings, um, you know, honestly, recording this record was kind of like a blackout. I don't really remember too much of it because in the middle of the sessions, I had to go to my pops' funeral and fly back the next day and finish the record. And, you know, the, the the curtain of, you know, death was very thick through this whole thing. So I don't really remember too much. But the, the recordings are kind of came last. It was the day before. Uh, it, was, it was the last day of recording. Actually, we recorded the record. It was the last day before I was going to turn it in for mastering. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. I just had this strong uh, urge to put some of those recordings on the on the record it felt like uh he was very much a part of the whole writing and recording process so he was a part of the record and it was a little difficult to go through it and you know um kind of listen to those moments but yeah with those bits I kind of tell a I share with people exactly what I was going through and they don't necessarily relate to the songs but um they relate to the you know period of time in which I wrote them and experienced those Mm -hmm. songs. Um, So it starts off kind of, you know, with me and my aunt and my cousin deciding which record to put on for my pops, because at that point in late stage dementia, um, music was the only thing that made him feel comfortable. You know, um, Stevie Wonder, he loves this Lewis Jordan record. Um, That was amazing. I put that on and he'd start tapping his feet and dancing and saying all the the words, which was amazing because he couldn't even, you know, form a sentence, but he'd start singing the song. It's, you can, it's beautiful to see. It was so deep in his bones, music. And then it kind of, you know, the next scene is, is, is me sneaking up on him, and he says this thing, which a person who doesn't really know what's happening uh, would just sound like a cute thing some, some grandpa mm-hmm. says, but uh, he says, every time I uh, 
you know, see somebody, I think it's you. Yeah. He, it really just goes to show that, uh, you know, the state of his dementia, it's two-sided, you know. Um, he just doesn't know who anybody is anymore. And then the last bit is uh, me showing him my debit card, which has my LLC name on it, uh, mm-hmm. BNB Maintenance, which is his janitorial company he had in the 80s. Um, that he, he employed a lot of our family from South Carolina and Philly to, you know, my dad, um, to work for that company. And I, I was showing him that little bit. And that's something he always loved looking at my name, his, his, you know, name on, on, on my card. But at that time, uh, he didn't recognize the name. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, it's, it's its own little story. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. I'm going to listen back with that in mind. I really hope that like when I go, I have people around me to, you know, surround me with the songs and the things that make me feel good. Yeah. I think that's really a beautiful thing that you did for him. Yeah. He, 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 uh, he did it the best way. You know, it was a beautiful exit scene. He had, he completed life, you know, he died in his wife's arms in his own bed. Um, so, you know. As far as exits go, that, that he perfected it. That's it. Yeah. That's the good life. Yeah, that's the tap dance out. But you're doing okay, huh? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. That's good. Just, just tired. I want to talk about um, your plans for taking this album on the road and tie it into the next track, All Things Right, which is a super fun song. Reminds mm-hmm. me a little bit of like Spoon era indie rock. Mm-hmm. So are you taking a rock band on the road? What are you hoping that the live show is going to communicate about like Trey Burt, recording artist right now? Yeah, when we do, when we get, go on the road, you know how it is. Uh, bands are expensive. Yes. But. Speak on that. Smart. Smart. Yeah. Bands are expensive. And um, it ain't Canada where you, you got all this gov- <laughs> government funding for, you know, for the arts. Um, so um, uh, it's very difficult. But for some reason, I had in mind to write a, a band record. And yeah. um, this is very much a band record. So when, when I do go on the road, I'm um, going to bring a band with me. And we'll be experimenting for a couple years, you know, for the first year especially, um, trying to get it down. But I want to present these songs just like they heard on the record and maybe um, maybe also a little different, too. Yeah, I always like when a live band elevates the material and isn't just like trying to play the record exactly. Mm-hmm. I think that'll be fun to watch. Yeah, okay. I want it to be fun to watch. I want it to mm-hmm. want people, you know, this is also like a you can dance to this music too. So uh also, yeah, the this this sort of music I wrote specifically to get me more grounded in my body. So it's not very much it's not as heady as the other mm-hmm. records. It's kind of like a spell I was writing for myself to ground me and put me in my body again because I I'm, you know, sometimes I float away. But, um, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a powerful comment, especially when I think about like the state of music journalism today. My number one, my number one gripe uh, <laughs> is just how people focus on lyrics nowadays. And I feel like audiences have been like kind of trained to do that, like try to like decode songs for Easter eggs and like lyrical storytelling stuff. And this is a record that like cannot be interpreted that way. It has to be experienced like in the body. And so I think there is going to be something really powerful about taking a full band on the road. So people will be forced to like really feel the groove. Uh Uh-huh. Exactly. And like, um, for, you know, I, 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 I I do try the lyrics. I always try, but of um, course, so there's things in there for, for me that only me or my family will understand. Like you're talking about the next track, All Things Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the chorus is All Things Right, All Things Right. Um, Find You Stranded in Promised Land. Mm-hmm. Um, Promised Land is the ancestral community where my family's from in South Carolina. Oh. Uh, so it goes from that bit oh. to All Things Right. 
Um, I didn't know you were a Carolina diasporic. Oh yeah, the birds. Negro, the birds are, just like mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm, since uh, you know, late seventeen hundreds. Yeah. Um, so okay, yeah, you and me and Adia are gonna have a little seance. Oh yeah, me, me and Adia, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, me, me and Adia. Uh, you know, we'd be having our little seances, barbecues, cookouts. What's yeah. up, Adia? Come through, Lizzie. No. Yeah. Yeah, come hang out Let's, with us. We'll make a we'll we'll pitch a tent um, <laughs> in tr- in Charleston and do some <laughs> shit in there. Okay, I thought you were doing a reenactment or something. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, <Nah>. Okay. <laughs> Okay, lyrically, this is so beautiful. When you say you try, to be a river is just a triumph to me. Yeah. And I want to ask you, what in your mind makes a great love song? And how did that standard influence where you went with to be a river? What in my mind makes a great love song? Mm, that's a hard question. Um, I don't know. It depends on different genres and different eras. Like in... Early 2000s R&B, you know, all of mm-hmm. all, all that stuff's about being cheated on or, you know, chick- know. And, uh, or people were struggling. Yeah, people were struggling back then. Um, and then, like, you know, a good love, a country love song is just about, I don't know, could, would you say that, uh, you know, a heartbreak song is a love song or? It can be, but it isn't always. Yeah. Love songs aren't my... I don't know. I guess I haven't really done that before. I usually they're just I call them anti. Yeah, that's why songs. I asked. Yeah, but um, I feel like with this record, I got the closest I have to making my love song. If you want to try yeah. to call it that, but yeah, I was just being honest. I think that Great. that was kind of like the yeah yeah. <laughs> That's the, that's anti, a mantra. It's an anti-love song. Can also be an answer. Uh huh. And it's also just about like. Um, Self-love, too, I guess, you mm-hmm. know, like um, I wrote a, the large part of the record, at least that song, next to a river. Um, and rivers, uh, for me, plays a pretty, you know, it's a powerful symbol. Um, one time I had this uh, DMT trip where these stone gods uh, showed me this neon rainbow river. And I was like, what is that? And they said, you know what that is? And I was like, well, and it had no start or ending. And I was like, what do I, where do I get in? And they're like, you just, what's the point of it? And they're like, you just sit in the middle and you float. That's the point. There's no start or end. You just be. And I was like, okay. So um, I guess to be a river is just being that thing that can be in a constant state of change with, a long, with the love, you know, in a, be in a constant state of evolution of love. That's what love is. That's what love is, I think. Right? Yeah. We, we got there. <laughs> we did it. Do you see how we got around to the answer? Yeah. Okay. But you invented was, the answer. It was within you all your, along. Your, your great coaching. talk about told you then mm-hmm. which is such a fun tune and i want to know about how it came, how the pieces came together because the way that i experienced that song is like a talking blues or a blues poem oh, good. over this Very universe good. of orchestration yeah so what came first what was the seed how did you quilt these different 
art forms together. Uh huh. I'm glad he said. I'm glad he brought that up because, um, yeah, I mean that first intro riff on "Told You Then" is inspired by uh, the kind of riff in um, Junior Kimbrough's "Meet Me in the mm-hmm. City." You know, so there's an, there's an old blues to it element of it that I took and then I kind of put through like a punk scope. Um, I'm combining a couple of genres, you know. Yeah. Um, and then the lyrically, it's kind of vignettes of of what I've been up to, just um, which, uh, uh, you know, some hard times um, mm-hmm. that my friend Lillian has been present for. So, yeah, it's kind of just my chaotic state of mind that I've been in or was in. Um, you know, a vignette with just two friends being there for each other, I guess, through a dark time. Yeah, that's interesting. The relationship is like the through line, mm-hmm. like the the guitar riff. That's yeah. super fun. Yeah. singers inspired you when you were working on this album and i'm asking in reference to wings for a butterfly which Mm. is a really soulful and exposed vocal and i think it's like a it feels like a listener of your music it feels like a step towards something very soulful in your vocal performance so where are you yeah who were you listening to what inspired you what were your goals with like the vocal performances here um, yeah, okay, so I was listening to a lot of, uh, you know, not for that song, but f- for the, how I wanted to sing on the louder songs, you know, I was listening to, um, a lot of Sam Cooke, live, oh, yeah. his live album, um, mm-hmm. in Harlem, that, you know, it's, it's unhinged, like, it's he, terrifying the way he sings sometimes, yeah. actually. <laughs> He's singing with this grit you've never heard him sing before. Right. So, you know, for, for the other songs, I was listening to a lot of Sam Cooke, but for Wings for a Butterfly, uh, that's, an, you know, I was listening to a lot of Chicano, Motown, mm-hmm. Soul, um, like Sonny Ozu, Ozuna uh, from Sonny mm-hmm. and the Sunliners. Um, uh, you know, I, was, I love the way his voice, his, I identify with his brand of soul because it's not super pretty and, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, which I love that stuff, but my voice just don't sound like that. So if I'm going to do a solo song, I, I would identify with like, you know, yes, more like Sam Cooke, Harlem era or um, Sonny Azuna from Sunny and the Sunliners. Um, but yeah, it does have that Motown motif in there, um, mm-hmm. which which I really love about Motown music. Um, which is, you know, my wacky voice on it. Can you explain what goes into choosing a song as a single and like what you are hoping that new audiences will get about your work based on hearing that song? Like if that's their first introduction, what are you hoping they're going to think about you as an artist? And what are you hoping they're going to be curious about? Isn't that I mean, I kind of want to ask you that question first, because that that's like the bane of our existence, right? Like picking which which what's the single? What does that mean? What does that mean to you? I can only accept the need to choose singles if I if I make an agreement with myself that it doesn't matter to me. Like I just make an album mm-hmm. and then I pretty much let other people decide what the singles are going to be. Yeah. Because I don't know what people are going to like yeah. on the radio. I, I and I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if that's that's rude. That's great. It's just like what do you think is going to make people curious enough to listen to your album? Uh-huh. Exactly. I feel like I'm of that thought, too, because with this record, I don't know. Yeah, because it was hard to pick a single um, because if we started off with something like Yo Face or something. Yeah. I think people would be like, what is Trey singing jazz now? Is he a lounge singer or something like that? <laughs> Which was a thought. <laughs> I did I did think yeah. about doing that for, for a second. But I think I picked Santiago or we ended up picking Santiago's single because it doesn't sound too dissimilar from, you know, mm-hmm. the the old sound or whatever I was doing before. Um, so it's kind of like a thread. And then I could lead you 
to these new spaces later sort of thing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like a pressure to concede things to your audience or like, is there a sense of like, if it's too different, you might scare people off? Yeah. It's not like a pressure, but it is like, um, it's like fishing, you know? Yeah. I want them to bite and, um, that's important to me. That, that much is, um, Mm -hmm. but, um, that's about as far as it goes. Um, I don't feel like a pressure to sound a certain way. I just Mm want to first get their attention um, so they can, you know, ride with me. Two for the show is giving uncanny fun. Mm-hmm. And there's something about the groove and the arrangement and, of course, the tempo change, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. <laughs> I felt, like, invited into, like, a more, like, a higher awareness or a more flowy place. So, yeah. and, I've, and I've read the word psychedelic in connection with this album. Uh-huh. So what does psychedelic mean to you in your music? How do you access that creative space when you need to? I feel like I'm stuck in psychedelic mode all the time. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You know, it's just kind of the realm I exist on naturally. Mm -hmm. Um, Life is always very psychedelic to me with no drugs. Just it's weird. It's crazy. You know, it's Um, wild. out there. It's wild. So when, you know, lyrically, it's fun to try and describe that feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. But two for the show is you wouldn't think off the bat, I guess, uh, that it's a very political song, but it is kind of about the surveillance state that we exist in now. Um, You know, I guess, you know, has the character of the Chinese, uh, that Chinese balloon, surveillance Mm -hmm. balloon that, you you know, happened this. Was that this year? Everyone was very upset about that balloon. Very upset. Very confused. They were up in arms. Up in arms. What's going on with this thing? They were a flutter on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, it alludes to the, you know, the darker side of what these world governments are doing uh, Mm -hmm. on on us, the guinea pigs. And just for information, for used for war, you know, nothing more, nothing less. So two for the show is talking about um, the deity of that is the god of war. one for the money, two for the show, three in the morning, uh, four, I don't even know my lyrics. I don't know what the last one is. No, but, but you, that's you, fine. You, you get the, uh, <laughs> the sentiment. Yeah, I mean, I guess what, because the record does sound so happy and lush, mm-hmm. it's, it's easy to gloss over the, uh, the sense of apocalypse in the record, like mm-hmm. what traffic fiction is. And uh, all things right, and and two for the show. It is kind of talking about the, this uh, the apocalypse, um, that the famed apocalypse that people like to, you know, um, pontificate on. But um, yeah, I wanted it to be fun though when I'm talking about these subjects. I don't want to scare people. And also, I made a decision with myself not too long ago uh, that basically just says fuck it. You know, I'm not going to let this, the, the fear of this, because once they scare you with the fear, then they've already won the first yes. war, you know. So the record sounds happy because it's a, it's kind of celebrating the your, your humanity in the face of whatever looming threat there is in the future. Day to day, are you able to keep that courage? I'm asking because I like feel that surveillance and the violence like so close to my skin all the time that I feel sometimes like scared when I go out. And I was thinking about your song by the Jasmine where it's again about like being sort of alien out Mm -hmm. in the world Mm -hmm. and the fear that comes with that. Like it absolutely works on the album as you as a person, Uh how do you hold on to that? Like fuck it. Wild self-assurance maybe, or, Uh or optimism or whatever it is. Uh huh. 
it's difficult, you know. It's hard for a lot of people. My my mind, it piss it pisses me off, drives me mad because it likes to when it hears problems, it likes to take it no matter how far they are and bring it to me and try and fix it, like work through it with me. This is how we this is how we can fix this, you know. And there is mm-hmm. no solutions to a lot of things. And that's okay. My therapist actually told me something really cool the other day when I was talking about this. He used a, the analogy of a tornado, right? And uh, I guess this kind of sums up what, uh, how I've been, how I'm able to, you know, stay a little mm-hmm. grounded now is um, it's like, you know, in Nashville, we got these tornadoes, right? And, um, you know, when there's a warning, when there's a tornado warning, what do we do? We shelter in place because here's a, you know, possible threat. But if there's a tornado, say, in Nebraska, it's, you don't have to shelter in place. It's of no threat to you. It's so far away, you know, you could, so, so you, you, you don't have to get into uh, danger mode or shelter yeah. mode. Um, it's, it's over there, you know. So I guess you could make the argument that, you know, what you're talking about is permeating through our daily lives all the time, constantly. But I guess the point is, it's just, is it's, it's not in front of you right now. It's, it's Lizzie No in front of me now, not that stuff. So just look at what's in front of you. Huh. Yeah. Be in the moment. Yeah. Easy enough. It sounds easy enough. Yeah. I ain't got no <laughs> answers. I'm not going to pretend like I do. I'm just as scared as anyone else. But, you know, it's, I, I, guess, <laughs> I guess it's just keeping like a punk attitude. Just kind of like, fuck it. Let's, let's uh, party. You know? Yeah. So your face, uh, when you're performing this album live, where is that going in the set? Oh, that's a good question. What's the moment? What's the moment uh, going to be like when you're when you're playing that live? I think maybe the last song. You know, mm-hmm. um, I think it's a good good. Uh, it leaves you on this this. My friend, my friend said the song sounds like the color of sunlight, like what mm. the color of what the sun looks like. So I, I feel like it's a good place to leave people off. Um, in a set and on a record uh, for Yo Face. That song started out as a joke. That was like, I wrote that song a couple years ago and uh, I was just kind of like trying to put on my stoner Frank Sinatra, you know, yes. type vibe, um, learning what the keyboard does. Uh, Wait, did Frank Sinatra smoke weed? Was that a thing oh, for him? Oh, Frank Sinatra, yeah, he did. He, he did all that stuff. Yeah, he was a, I don't want to rat just, on him, but... No, no, no. I think that the statute of limitations is up. I knew he was like a wild character, but it never occurred to me that he was like a stoner. Yeah, I don't you think know what I mean? Be... You don't really think of him that way, yeah. but it's kind of a fun oh, no, I was uh, about thought me. experiment. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, that was me. It's just, yeah. Okay, Traffic Fiction, it's a work of genius. Thank you. Don't be scared. Everyone, go buy it. It's so good. It's so good. Trey, will you do a lightning round? Okay, let's do it. Okay, what's your favorite animal? Killer whale. Who is a poet you think everybody should read? James Baldwin or Cormac McCarthy. What is the most fun city in which to have a day off on tour? New York. I know that's right. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your must-have tour van snack? Jesus. Ooh, what is the best time of day to write a song? Uh, middle of the night. What is your deepest fear at the moment? Oh, I talked plenty about it. <laughs> uh, we, you've already really covered that. Yeah. What is your most trusted news outlet? Oh, damn. Uh, none of it. None uh, of them. Nice. None of them. No. Who is your favorite pop artist currently working today? 
I like that Olivia Rodrigo or Rodriguez song or whatever. It's mm-hmm. a lot. That's a good pop song. She's fun. Um, if you could go on a cross-country road trip with anybody living, dead, or imaginary, who would you choose? Salvador Dali. Mm, nice. Oh, yeah. That's a great answer. Yeah. We, we, you- we're, we were born on the same day. Yeah, we're both May 11th babies. Wow, that's a powerful birthday twin. Uh-huh. Um, I was born on the same day as Drake. Oh, <laughs> tight. <laughs> I can see it. You got that. Both got that, like, red bone type. Yeah. Light-skinned, <laughs> ne'er-do-well, Scorpios yeah. with enormous egos. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> if you were not a musician, what would you do for a job? I don't know. I feel like I would do something with animals, like a, mon- a monkey trainer or something. No, don't be a monkey trainer. I love That's animal monkeys. cruelty. Oh, I would just, you know, monkey re- research. Go work at a preserve. There you go. Yeah. I, would, I would feed them. I would just feed monkeys. Um, there's this place in, I think, Democratic Republic of Congo called Lola Yabanobo. Mm-hmm. I'm giving them a shout out because it means paradise for bonobos. And so oh. these orphaned bonobos can come there. And they have these ladies that work there full time to, to serve as like the surrogate moms for the bonobos because they can Whoa, die of loneliness. Wow. That, so they hug them and just like hang out with them. Yeah. That could be it's you. A of, it's a lot of pressure. Because if I don't hug a bonobo, then it could, <laughs> I could, you know, it can die. That's, that's a little too much pressure for me. But I would love to hang out with a bonobo. I don't know about being its mom or nothing. Anyways, okay. what's the next? You're ready to you're ready to be you're ready for a moderate commitment to the bonobos. Okay. Yeah. Uh, final question: What is your biggest pet peeve? There was someone was doing this thing the other day that just really hurt. They were like chewing on the phone. You know. Oh. I, I don't know. It's I, I can't handle. I hate it. Hate that sound over the phone. Oh yeah, like, like, like in like, someone. What? Yeah. Like in like their the mouth. Yeah. In my ear, just while they're talking. I, I would say that's, that's my, too intimate. Yeah, that's too intimate. I don't want that in my brain. Don't do it. No. Um, Trey Burt, thank know. you so much for coming back to Basic Folk. Thanks for having me. The new album is fantastic. Thank you. Everybody go see him on tour. Yeah. This episode of Basic Folk was produced by John Nungesser, our music composed by Alex Stanton. Basic Folk is on the Bluegrass Situation Podcast Network. You can find all of our episodes there. You can search for us on the SiriusXM app under Basic Folk. You can check out our website, basicfolk.com, or you can listen wherever you get podcasts. If you like this episode, make sure to share it with a friend. You could also share it with somebody that you met at a professional conference who handed you their card and asked you to reach out um, and make contact with them. But you don't really know what to say because like you just super briefly met and you maybe forgot who they were by the time you took out the card and and acted on it. This would be a great intro to them. You could be like, hey, I'm so-and-so. Here's what I do for work. Great to be connected with you. Anyway, here's a wonderful interview with folk artist Trey Burt. Well, that's great, Lizzie. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye.